0: Please have a seat, everybody. All right, it is that time of the morning for our children's message. So, kiddos, you all come on down. We have a special message just for you right up here. Come on up here and have a seat. So good to see you guys today. Did you all have a good Sunday school class this morning? Good. If you didn't come to Sunday school, we have a special Bible study every Sunday at 945. Miss Alice and others teach that. So if you don't come, uh, if you haven't come yet, we want you to be here. And when you wake up in the morning on Sunday, tell your parents, we got to get to Sunday school, okay? 945. It's awesome. Now, do you guys know what the what the word uh, logo means? What is a logo? What You want to try, bud? Go ahead. Yeah, like on a car or on T-shirts, and a logo kind of represents something else, right? Yeah, so, okay, let me get, I have some logos. I want to see if you guys can get these logos. Hang on. Okay, hang on. Sorry, don't look. Don't. Sorry, that's how my elbow works. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, ready? You guys get the first peek on this one. What logo is this? Is that right? Lucky. Lucky. Okay. Lucky. All right, what about this one? Apple. Do you guys? Apple. Do you, Apple. Apple? Okay. All right. all right, they got two for two. All right. Don't look ahead of time cheating. You can't sit on the top step if you're gonna cheat. All right, what about this one? Lego. Lego. You guys Lego. like Legos? Lego. Yes. Contributing to feet problems for mom and dads everywhere. All right. Legos. All right, let's see. Oh, what about this one? Yeah okay, now this last one, I Mr. Steve Miller is here today. Uh, he's sitting over. Mr. Steve, raise your hand. Let's see if Mr. Steve can get this one. He can probably see it from there. There, Florida Gators. Yeah. So so oh, you want to see it? There it is. See Gators. So the thing about a logo is it's something very simple. That represents something else, like it represented like Legos or uh, Apple Watches and phones and computers or a football team or the Florida Gators. Yes. So, did you know that you're a representative on this earth for the Lord? You know, the Bible says something really interesting, and and Dr. Rick, who's going to preach in a couple minutes, is going to say something important about this when he's going to talk about Daniel. You guys know about Daniel in the lion's den? Yeah? He's going to preach about that today. Now, the interesting thing about Daniel and about you and me is God put him and us on this earth to be representatives for him. Now, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that we're to do good works like a light, shine the the light of Christ brightly by doing good works so that people see the good things you do and give glory to God in heaven. And so we're going to talk today about how Daniel did that under some very difficult circumstances. So the word of the day today is Daniel, all right? Daniel, thank you guys for coming up here. Y'all did an amazing job. You can go sit down now. All right, I'm gonna ask uh, Miss Darlene to come up here and help me. So um, I wanna introduce a very good friend of mine to you. His name is Dr. Rick Wheeler. Uh, Rick and uh, his wife Camille are here today. They came in this weekend um, to do a special conference for the leadership of our church. We did it on Saturday. is a conference called Lead Like Jesus, and uh, he did a great job. And so since he was in town, I thought we'd give you guys a break for me and, and let you hear a good preacher for once, right? So Rick came in, and he stayed over an extra day to, to preach to us. I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Rick he has a uh, doctor in Christian education from this the Southern Baptist uh, Seminary uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, he's been in ministry for decades. Um, I know Rick uh, because God put him in my and Darlene's life at a very special time. We had come off the field uh, as North American missionaries planting a church in Iowa and moved back to Florida. We had finished that, that time of ministry and came back. Uh, when we came back, we were living in Clearwater And kind of just praying about what God would have for us next in our ministry. Um, During that time, Darlene and I were um, really, really sort of, um, I don't know what the right word is, like used up. We were tired. uh, We were broke. And um, we were praying, yeah, in a lot of ways, uh, trusting in God. But at the same time, we were really, really hurting. Um, And God put Rick and Camille in our life in a time when we needed uh, mentors and when we needed that next step in ministry that God would have for us. And through a friend, I got introduced to Rick um, and he invited me to come and serve on staff with him at the Jacksonville Baptist Association and our our hearts and ministry and excitement was renewed through that ministry. Um, Rick taught me uh, almost every good thing I know about leadership. So if I ever do anything right here uh, regarding leadership, it's because Rick showed me how to do that Uh, He is the best leader I've ever met. He's the best boss I ever had. um, And God uses him currently in a pretty amazing way. He's the president of Florida Baptist Financial Services. So not only is he a gifted leader in Christian ministry um, and associational ministry, now uh, he's left the JBA. Now he serves as the president of Florida Baptist Financial Services, which is a Southern Baptist um, ministry for investing God's resources. And he can clarify that, but that's what they do. We, uh, as a church, have uh, money invested in that. Um, They take money in, they pour it back into the field uh, so people can build churches, plant churches, all kinds of really amazing stuff. And so Rick and Camille are a pretty amazing couple. Of course, Rick outpunted his coverage when he landed Camille, um, and we remind each other of that often uh, with our wives. So Rick and Camille, would you guys come up here and welcome to our church. We've got T-shirts for them. Uh, this is his second year in a row they've come down and taught and preached at the church, and so we think it's probably time for you guys to be on the team. So we got t-shirts, and we're so thankful you guys are here. And um, I know you already clapped, but, but join me in welcoming them and welcoming Rick to preach the message to
1: Uh, hopefully get the sound right. Thank you guys. Yeah, I'm on. Daniel chapter 6. Thank you. Very kind words. Uh, Some of that was true, I think, but not all of it. Uh, We are so grateful. You know, the older I get, um, the more I realize that some of the grace gifts in your life are friendships that God gives you. And uh, Josh and Darlene, their beautiful family, have been nothing short of a grace gift of the Lord in in our life. We're very grateful. I know you are grateful for them, as you've shown your appreciation for them today are you in daniel chapter 6 okay one of you is that's good um and speaking of ministry faithfulness in the lords um we're going to be looking at daniel today he is a he's an amazing character he's uh you know we're just going to do a flyover of daniel we're not going to go kind of verse by verse <clears throat> because it's a story that a lot of us have heard amen uh we know this kind of fantastic tale and It's a guy who, uh, it's kind of the veggie tale version, you know, he he survives a sleepover with a bunch of lions. And that is true, but you know, there's a lot more for us to learn as we look more closely at the life of Daniel. And so uh, this is going to be a little bit more kind of a heavy, mature look and say, what can we learn from this tale? Now, God has for us in this story, I think, messages about and principles for living an obedient life of faith that keeps us in his will and also allows us to be a strong witness to those around us. Now, you know, you're here, I, I kind of call Fifth Street kind of the tip of the spear in terms of Florida Baptist churches, not only geographically down here in the southernmost point, but also uh, culturally as you engage a community here with the gospel. And, and many people who, who at a minimum, let's say, they don't understand or are or, or friendly towards a gospel witness – and so I hope this message will, as we look at Daniel, who's in a foreign land, and he's being opposed, and he's being persecuted, um, I hope a little bit of that will help us understand how to engage our friends and neighbors and culture that God has called us to. You know, I think we get Daniel wrong sometimes. Uh, in fact, my wife and I were in Washington, D.C. a few uh, months ago. And right in the National, in the Smithsonian, the National Art Museum, there is this massive painting that uh, it, uh one of the renaissance painters uh, peter paul rubens did on daniel i think we have a picture of it or a portrait we can put that up but uh that that portrait is you know i think rubens captures the drama of daniel in the lion's den and this you know the emotion of it but can i tell you from a historical standpoint rubens was not a good theologian because What we understand from the chronology of Daniel is by this time in Daniel 6, Daniel's probably in his 80s. Now, that guy looks like Daniel's grandson or something. I don't know. But Daniel is an octogenarian by this time of his life. And King Darius, who he is advising, is probably in his 60s. So you've got this 80-year-old guy, Daniel, advising Darius, who's a 60-year-old. This is a story about two senior adults. okay? But what's really cool about this is that by the time we get to Daniel's life in his 80s. Daniel has developed some habits, some skills, some spiritual competencies and rhythms of his life that I believe help him navigate the storm of the the lion's den. And so I think there's a great lesson as we not only see how God provides and rescues him, that's a wonderful story of God's provision, but how did Daniel participate in his own spiritual growth and development so that he comes to this moment? So, you know, the more uh, older I get, um, the more I appreciate some of the uh, senior saints in my life. And the people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, and, uh, you know, they just, uh, they're just surrendered to the Lord. And the older they get, they don't get bitter and, and angry, they just get more surrendered and more uh, passionate about uh, what God's doing. It reminds me, uh, I mentioned this a little bit yesterday with some of the leaders, but there's this man that uh, my wife and I got to know about 20 years ago. His name was Dr. Bob Witte. Some of you may have heard of him. He founded Luther Rice Seminary. He pastored churches for over 80 years. And when Dr. Witte turned 100 years old, we had at our church Dr. Whitty Day. And Bob Witte was just one of these. He was a smaller man in stature, but he uh, just cast a big shadow because he just walked so powerfully with the Lord. And so he hated that we made so much of him on his 100th birthday and we, we brought in dignitaries and there was literally a letter from the President of the United States, there was a recognition from the governor, there were just all of these people that he had impacted and, and people that wanted to come and recognize him for his 100th birthday. And then we, after the service, we did what good Baptists do, Pastor, we went over to the Fellowship Hall and ate casseroles and fried chicken and celebrated. Amen. And, uh, and, and so we, we, wanted, we had a cake presentation for him, of course, and we said, Dr. Whitty, what would you want to say to us after a hundred years of living, a century of life, and, and many, many decades of serving the Lord, and in a very feeble but clear-minded voice, he said, my life has become very simple. It's come down to these three truths. Here's what I know. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so after a hundred years of life his life had become that clear can I just tell you on most days my life is not that clear and I suspect yours isn't either we know these things to be true but how do you build the habits and the rhythms into your life so that you are fully surrendered like Daniel Dr. Witty had learned over many decades that a faithful life of loving trusting and obeying jesus is really what it boils down to so let's look at daniel 6 and unfortunately we don't have time to read the entire chapter today but as the story unfolds in chapter 6 king darius comes into power he wants to set up his administration so he uh, appoints 120 what they call satraps they're kind of like regional governors or mayors and these are people who will collect taxes and uh, help with the administration of the empire uh, the the persian empire And then over these mayors, he appoints three administrators, or we would call them cabinet members or vice presidents, and that's one of the things, that's one of the offices that Daniel holds is as one of these vice presidents. So Daniel is to be kind of in a number two position in all of the land, and as you can imagine, uh, it's a very highly regarded position, and have you ever noticed in life that the more you experience success, it multiplies your friends and it multiplies your enemies? Yeah, and and Daniel was experiencing that and so some of these other satraps were jealous of him they did not like that this foreigner had come in and and achieved such a high ranking position and they took it personal and so it brings me to my first point about Daniel we're going to drop down in verse 4 about his contagious faith and it it is this, that Daniel has here's the first point, I'm a simple preacher I just got three or four points and then I'll leave you alone The first point here from Daniel 6 is that Daniel had convictional integrity. And let me explain what I mean by that. Let's read verse 4, and then we'll unpack it. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor were there any error or fault found in him. Verse 5, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of this God. What a life testimony. The world was watching Daniel, and you know what they said? We can't find anything wrong with this guy. He, he lives his life. There's nothing hidden in the bushes. He's, a life, he's living a life of integrity. I shared this yesterday, but you know what integrity means? It means that the tongue in my shoe matches the tongue in my mouth, that my walk matches my talk. This is the kind of person Daniel is can I just tell you that just as the world was watching Daniel then and they noticed these things, the world watches us. People who claim to come under the name and banner of Jesus Christ, they watch us and they say, "Do you really believe this stuff? Do, does your life reflect not only the the confession of your mouth, but but does it? Can, is your heart aligned, and is your life and your behaviors aligned? What a testimony! We should live our lives as Daniel did." knowing that our life tells a story, doesn't it? So, Daniel's life was a story of truthfulness and trustworthiness. And a lost world is watching. So, they had the king establish a law that for 30 days nobody could pray to anyone else but the king. And why'd they do this? Because they knew the only way they could trip Daniel up was in his allegiance to Jehovah. In his, in his faithfulness to the Lord. And that was the only way that was the only crack they could get in on his character even though it wasn't a fault it was what they were going to use against him so um you know camille and i uh my wife we met in banking a long long time ago and well it wasn't that long for her it was very long for me but um uh we met and and we both at different times have been through teller training and some of you may work in financial uh, companies And when you go through teller training, they teach you all about, you know, how to, you know, cash checks and do all of that. But one of the things they teach you, they have the the government comes in and they teach you about how to spot counterfeits. Because that's kind of the front lines of spotting counterfeits are are bank tellers. And do you know how they teach you how to spot a counterfeit? I was thinking, well, they'll probably bring in all of these you know counterfeit examples and well they'll try to do this they'll try to do that and they did a little bit of that but we spent most of the time studying the original authentic currency because here's the principle the more you know the truth the more you know the authentic truth the more you can spot a lie friends we we live in a day and age where we need to know what the truth is the way we're going to be able to navigate this world with integrity is to know what this book says, not just because somebody else read it, but for ourselves. And so it was a reminder that a life of integrity is a pursuit of truth and living out that truth all the time. Which brings me to the second quality of Daniel, and it's this. Not only did he have integrity, he had consistent prayer. Look down in verse 10. So Daniel's got this dilemma. What's he going to do? And so it says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, this is this edict that they had the king write, he went home and in his upper room and his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. Now there's a lot in that one verse to unpack. In fact, Pastor Josh, I think you could do a whole sermon series on prayer just from this verse, let me just highlight a few things. When the decree went out that no one was to pray to anyone but the king, Daniel was faced with a dilemma. Now, I just talked about how he had built years and decades of faithful practicing of following the Lord and, and prayer. This was nothing new to him. Prayer was part of his life, and he had a choice to make. You know, He could have said, "You know, I've been praying to the Lord all these years. Maybe I'll just take a 30-day break. Nobody would have necessarily faulted him, but that's not what Daniel did. You know what he did? He went home, opened his windows towards Jerusalem, got down on his knees, and gave thanks just as he had done before. Now, here's just a couple of points uh, that I think we can learn from Daniel about prayer. First, it says he went home. Here's what this means, into his house. Daniel's prayer was personal to him. It wasn't just a formal liturgy. It was a heart relationship with God. He wasn't going there to make a big deal about himself. His prayer was personal, and our prayer life should be personal to us, and it should begin at home. But notice that the windows were open, open towards Jerusalem. That's how they were told to pray. Now, if there is a Um, a law against praying, you know, maybe I just slide the the shutters, you know, closed for a few weeks. That's not what he did. He left his shutters wide open for anybody to see. Here's what this means: that our prayer is intensely personal, but it is not private. It's not it is to be shared. Pastor said just a a few minutes ago, Matthew 5:16, Jesus said, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now it doesn't say shine your light in their face. And, and be obnoxious about it. That's not what Daniel was doing. But he, d- he does not hide it, does he? It's anybody who would be passing by could look in and see Daniel praying. He had a prayer life that was personal, but it was not hidden from anybody. Second, it says that he prayed three times a day. With, with prayer, Daniel wasn't just one and done for the day. It says that he it was his custom to pray three times a day. Now, the Bible doesn't give a uh you know some sort of prescription on exactly when and how often to pray there is jesus's model prayer but you know i'm i kind of believe what the old preacher said pastor josh uh, one time he said well when should we pray he said only two times daytime and nighttime in other words all the time we should always have an attitude and a spirit of prayer but it was daniel's rhythm to pray morning noon and night in uh, psalm 55 which daniel would uh know it says every morning And noon I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. There's no prescription on how many times to pray, but the the point is this. Prayer was a regular habit multiple times a day in Daniel's life. So it makes me ask myself, if somebody camped outside of my windows, how many times would they see me praying? Look at the next thing. It says that he got down on his knees. There was a spirit and a posture of humility and Daniel's prayer life—it shows his dispa- uh, his sincerity. It shows his desperation, his total life dependence on God. He was facing capital punishment in this moment, and he needed God's provision in his life. And he had built in his life at this point a, a attitude and a habit of complete dependence on the grace of God. It also shows how humble he was. And you never see Daniel gloating or showing off. Daniel lived his faith out in a humble, obscure manner. Then it says he gave thanks to the Lord. Now think about this. If somebody sees him and reports him, he can be killed, and yet he's down on his knees giving thanks to the Lord. I think my prayer would have been a little bit different in that moment. (laughs) It'd be like, Lord, help me, deliver me. Daniel is giving thanks. So what is he giving thanks for? Well, the, the text doesn't say exactly, but if you look at the attitude of his heart, it was probably for the opportunity the Lord is giving him to let him be used by God, to show a king and a country the glory of God. Through his prayer life and because of his prayer life, Daniel has faith over his fear. And then lastly, it says that he was praying, quote, just as he had done before just as was his normal routine this speaks to the long-term habit of prayer in daniel's life listen he didn't just start praying when times got tough he was praying in season and out of season in good times and in tough times it was his life commitment it reminds me of what it says about our lord in the gospels that it was his custom to go out early in the morning to a place a quiet place of solitude, and talk to his father. Daniel lived that same kind of commitment with a deep, regular life of prayer. Now, don't miss this. It was both the practice of Daniel's prayer that was the main thing that got him into trouble with the authorities, and it was the power of his prayer that got him victory over the difficulties. But please listen to this. Before Daniel could have the public victory, According to this text, he had the private victory. His character, I, I heard uh, one commentator I read said this about. It. it says, Christian character is not forged in the moment of adversity. Christian character is revealed in the moment of adversity. It's forged in the quiet, solitude moments with you and the Lord, where you understand who you are and your identity is rooted and your safety and security and your life is being lived with an audience of one. Daniel understood that the hardest battle you'll ever fight is the internal battle. In the long haul of our lives, it's usually the person in the mirror that's gonna give us the most trouble. But by God's grace, we can all put down our own pride, our insecurities, our own ego, and leave them at the altar. God used Daniel in this moment, and God can use you and me in the challenges of life that we face. Daniel would have never won the public victory without a personal, powerful, and persistent prayer life. But look at the third quality of Daniel. Not only did he have integrity and he has had a life of prayer, I wanna talk for a few minutes, and I think this particularly applies in our context, not only here, but uh, just in the times in which we live as believers. I wanna talk about Daniel's confessional kindness. So he goes down into the den, they throw him down, they arrest him, they see him praying, they arrest him, throw him down in with the lions. And, uh, and Darius, Darius, it says, you know, it was an irrevocable law, so they had to do it. And so they had him thrown down into the lion's den. And then it says that Darius had spent a restless night. He, he didn't go home and uh, watch Netflix and, you know, he, he just it said he wouldn't not be entertained. He, he stayed up all night. He was worried about his friend, his advisor, Daniel. This kind of speaks to the kind of relationship that they had. And in first light in the morning, it says that the king goes down to the lion's den and he he calls down, Daniel, are you there? And we're going to pick up in verse 21. He asked, has your God been able to rescue you from the lions? And then Daniel says this, verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I, have found, I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. It's a brilliant response. So let's unpack it. After his betrayal and arrest and being down there, now, now get this. This is the only thing that Daniel says in the whole chapter. The whole chapter is a story about Daniel, but Daniel only opens it. He only has one line that is ascribed to him in this whole passage. So the one thing that he says, he comes out of that lion's den throwing and hurling insults at Darius. No, he compliments him. Did you notice that? Oh, king, may you live forever. Can I just tell you, if you had thrown me down in a lion's den all night, it would be hard for me to come out and bless you. Anybody else? yeah um and yet that's not what daniel does there's a spirit of humility and there's a spirit of winsomeness and kindness there of saying oh king may you live forever he he understood the, the the pressure that the king was under as well and and the dilemma that he was facing having one of his friends in this predicament and and his only time he opens his mouth he he does two things first he compliments the king There's kind of a spirit of forgiveness there. You know, C.S. Lewis said that forgiveness is a wonderful notion until you actually have something to forgive. And yet Daniel had something to forgive here. And he comes out complimenting. You know, Daniel didn't know Galatians 5 because it hadn't been written yet, but he does know the fruit of the Spirit because he's exhibiting some of them, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and certainly self-control. And don't miss this. This is what's interesting. Not only does he come out with blessing on his lips and not curses, but he comes out proclaiming his innocence and and, uh, proclaiming justice. So at the same time, he comes out with blessing and compliments to the king, but he also reminds the king, I was innocently charged, and my God has saved me. You didn't save me, king. My God has saved me. So immediately, Daniel points the king to the ultimate authority, who is the king of kings. And whatever earthly court there is, there's a heavenly court. And he says, I'm innocent before you and before God. You have done this thing, and I'm blessing you. Isn't that a great model for us today? That he pointed people to God. On one hand, he's in good spirits. He's not angry. He's not bitter. And yet it begins, begs the question... How do you and I respond when we are wronged? How, how, what is our heart response to those who do something harmful to us? He points the king to God who is his deliverer. And he takes the opportunity to remind the king that it was God who spared his life and that he was innocent. And I believe this is very helpful. Uh, it's a balance between conviction and civility. And and Brothers and sisters, I think we're going to have to find that same balance as we try to engage a culture that is going to be increasingly uh, uh, antagonistic to a biblical worldview. If you want to cause controversy uh, in your community, you just go around and tell people you actually believe this book. You actually believe this is true and that we ought to base our life on it. And now, please hear me, I do not believe that we have persecution here in Florida or anywhere else in the United States the way that Christians are really persecuted for their faith around the world. But we are increasingly misunderstood, and it's harder for our, our uh, culture to even tolerate us. Have you noticed that? Anybody else? seeing that headwind that's against? And I think we're going to have to take a lesson from Daniel on what uh, David Dockery calls convictional civility. It's another term for confessional kindness, and it's a, a way to engage our neighbors in our culture, and it realizes that we as believers in North America um, are going to be living in a, with a moral minority, and living in a world that, that may not be always aggressively hostile towards us, but will be um, in increasing levels of opposition to us as we take a stand on God's Word. So, like Jeremiah teaches, we need to seek and pray for the welfare of the city and to live at peace with those who are trying, we are trying to reach. Because, you know, you cannot um, reach and win our neighbors and be obedient to the Great Commission simply by being nice. We are going to have to speak the truth. We're going to have, just as Daniel did, he said, King, you didn't save me, and I was innocent before you. He did proclaim justice, and he proclaimed what was true, but he did it with a kind heart and an engaging spirit. You do not have to be mean-spirited to, in fact, the more mean-spirited you are in person or on social media, uh, the less likely you are to actually engage and win lost people to Christ. But we must learn how to show gentleness and kindness, by the way, just as Jesus did to those who would seek to harm him. And at the same time, be ready to give a timely, truthful word that points people a living well. We must remember that we're never trying to win arguments, either in person or online, but we are trying to tell spiritually thirsty people where to find the living waters that will satisfy your soul. Like Daniel, we must learn to cultivate a life of convictional civility or confessional kindness. So we have these three qualities, convictional, convictional integrity, consistent prayer, and confessional kindness. Those are the three qualities I think we can learn from Daniel. And yet there is an outcome here, and this is the, the last point I want to emphasize. And the, I think when you have these three attributes, it results in this fourth thing, which I'm calling contagious worship. Did you notice at the end of the story, it says others around him see Daniel's life, and it brings them closer to God. And they begin to worship God. You know, um, for some of us, you've heard the old saying that for some people in your life, you're the only Bible they'll ever read. You know, King Darius probably had never read the Torah. He probably wasn't that familiar with with Daniel's God. But Darius didn't have to read the Torah to, to find Daniel's God. He had Daniel. And it says in verse 25 that King Darius wrote another edict. This one's different than the first one. It says in verse 25, Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. That's a pretty broad number of people, by the way. Peace be multiplied to you. Verse 26, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the god of Daniel for he is the living god and steadfast forever and his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end he delivers and rescues and his works and signs and and he works in signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions in verse 28 so this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian King Darius not only writes an edict, he starts worshiping God because of the witness that he saw in Daniel. And brothers and sisters, when people see the integrity of our lives, they see the the fervent prayer, and they see the the kindness that we're expressing towards them because of the grace of God in our lives, it's going to draw them closer to God. God will use that life witness as we proclaim his goodness. So here's the key question. Here's the sermon in a sentence which is a question do others around me see my dependence on god and my confession of his goodness in such a way that it draws them closer to god i'll repeat that do others around me see my dependence on god and my confession of his goodness in such a way that it draws them closer to god as we close i want you to think about some of the habits in the direction of your own life and and, and here's the good news. If maybe some of you in here have never even taken a step of faith before. And, and maybe today could be the day that says, I, I need Daniel's God in my life. Just like Darius, I, I need to, to get on board with, with what, what Daniel's got here and, and be about that. Uh, some of you here may have been walking with the Lord for some time and you're like, you know, I'm, I don't think I've got some of those life skills and habits and rhythms in my life and I need to, to move in that direction. I want to close with a story. Uh, I wouldn't imagine any of you might know this, other than the Dryers. But uh, I grew up in the great metropolis of Green Cove Springs, Florida. Now that is a very tiny rural town in Clay County, about forty-five minutes south of Jacksonville. And not we are not known uh, for very much in Green Cove Springs, Florida. But one thing we are known: uh, one of our most renowned high school graduates at Clay High School was Caleb Dressel. Now, you might have heard of Caleb. I think we've got a picture of him at the Olympics. And uh, this is Caleb. He has won uh, seven Olympic gold medals and 20 world championships. He is an elite world-class swimmer from my hometown. (laughs) So I'm kind of proud of old Caleb there in Green Cove. But you know, I got to thinking about it. You know, you don't just wake up one morning and you're an Olympic winner. Right? So I found this other, it's a real picture of Caleb, a little bit younger. Here's Caleb when he was just a little guy, swimming in the pool with his swimmies on. And here's what I want to, here's what I want us to learn from this. At some point, Caleb had to take the swimmies off. At some point, he had to venture out into the deeper end of the pool. At some point, he had to swim a lap back and forth all by himself. At some point, he probably got a coach in his life and some others who could help him. He had to listen, and, and he had to build some rhythms about his health and, and his exercise and his training routine. And he got from this point to being a 20-time world champion, seven-time Olympic gold winner, an elite swimmer. Now, wherever you are in your faith journey, can I just say God may be calling you out into the deep end. He may be calling you to, okay, it's time to take the swimmies off. Look at the life of Daniel. And more importantly, look at the life of Christ, who Daniel points us to. And and we can never be the perfect life, but we can emulate and, and imitate Christ in our life through integrity, through prayer, through a conviction that that is uh, rooted in kindness. And just like Caleb learned how to swim in a world class way, I think God's maybe calling us to take another step here today. So. Whatever God's calling you to do, as the musicians come, we're going to have a time of response. I I think any time God's word is preached, there should be a time to respond. Um, God's word never returns void, and whether you need to just pray right there where you are, or Pastor Josh will be down here in just a moment, we'll stand and sing. It'll be a moment to respond and say, Lord, what are you calling me to do today? What is it you want my life um, to be for your glory? How do you want me to more truthfully reflect your goodness and your grace in my life? We're all a work in progress. I said it yesterday. We're all a bundle of strengths and weaknesses. But here's the thing. We're all sinners in need of God's grace. And friend, wherever you walk in here today, you may have been walking with the Lord for a long time. or You may be in need of that saving grace that will put you at the foot of the cross. We're going to stand and sing in just a moment. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and then we're going to respond. Let's pray. Jesus, we give this time to you. We thank you for this story of Daniel that reminds us of who you are and our need for you. Lord, may we reflect these qualities that we've read in your word. May we incorporate them into our lives. May we walk more faithfully these days. And Lord, anybody in this room who needs to come and pray and receive you as Lord and Savior and the free gift of salvation that you purchased on the cross, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Friend, whatever God's calling you to do, I pray that today would be the day that you say yes, as we sang earlier, and you venture into the deep of what God's calling you to do. In Jesus' name.